You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix 2.5. My name is Alan Connor and I'm joined by my co-host. Martin Herty, how's things? How are you, man? How are you going? Not a bother. Flying. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been busy on the feed there. So if anyone was wondering what some of the stuff with the, the feed is up now, it should all have been resolved. Um, a bunch of shows have gone up there today. Um, Nerdsnowmedia.com is where you can find all the shows. So if you're if you're checking us out on Phoenix, go over to Nerd to Know and I'm checking out there as well. But a busy week, you know. Obviously, if you're listening to this on Phoenix, um, it, this is going to be a bit irrelevant. But I want to pop this up um, before the show on Sunday, the actual pay per view, and then we have some WCW stuff as well in the second part of the show. So first things first, Martin. Um, this Sunday, it is Sunday. We're going to have a first WWE pay-per-view with fans since WrestleMania. And it's from Texas. And it is, of course, Money in the Bank 2021. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What are you talking about? Turned it being retired? Um, well, like, first, I mean, you're kind of torn between, on the one hand, it's, it's such a difference to see fans back. It really makes the shows and the atmosphere. Um, and... On the other hand, you know, we're constantly hearing about new variants and new cases and new waves and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you just turn that part of your brain off, I mean, it's it's really great to see. Um, AEW this week came from Texas. The Texas crowd is rabid. They are mad for uh, for wrestling again. Um, so uh, so I I have no doubt that they'll uh, they'll go all out for this show. Um, Money in the bank. I think um, maybe it's not official, but I think it's kind of overtaken um, Survivor Series as as one of the big four. Um, you know, I don't. Re- I think Survivor Series has kind of been, particularly now that it's basically just become the uh, the brand warfare thing every year. Like nobody really buys it. Um, I, I think Money in the Bank has become a bigger a bigger show than it. Um, I haven't been really keeping up with WWE, uh, but I do stick around for the big shows. I I really only intended on, you know, making sure that I saw SummerSlam, but um, I, I think I'll definitely give give Money in the Bank a go this weekend. Um, if if nothing else, you know the uh, the main stipulation is you know it, it usually provides a, a lot of fun, a lot of high spots, and if nothing else, they just need to make up for the absolute disaster that was last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's interesting though because like 
you said that you think this is one of the big four now, and I would kind of agree because this this does lay a lot of groundwork for not only shows going into the summer, but the fact that they have those briefcases there. They are yeah, like there's two briefcases there. There's the men and women's one, and it's interesting because like that can really play into anything. That can redefine storyline, can redefine the year, or could be a complete waste like it was last year. But I think what's cool about this is the fact that it's going to be the first ladder match with fans in WWE in a very long time. But I wasn't aware that AEW was in Texas this week. There was a coffin match this week, if I'm correct. Have you seen it? Sensational. Uh, the, the whole show was start to finish fantastic. But well, look, the, one, the well, coffin look, match was... Well, look, one thing we don't do is you don't give AEW enough love on this show. So before we continue, <laughs> go on. And I, I said when you joined the show that we were going to kind of do it. So, so this is the yeah. AEW love. I'm, I'm, I'm the designated AEW mark. Absolutely. <laughs> go on. Uh, what happened this week and how was it? Uh, oh, so, so this week is, is what they call Fighter Fest. AEW does these. So they have four big pay-per-views a year. But every so often they'll take a dynamite and they'll give it like a different name and it'll be essentially a pay-per-view level to our show. Um, so this week was Fighter Fest. Um, we had obviously the coffin match was the uh, the main main event and the main draw. Just an artistic level of violence from Darby Allen and Ethan Page, who have a long, long history in the Indies of attempting to murder each other. Um, and really carrying that on that well here. We saw some, we're starting to see what I think is the peak of the Hangman Page story, which has been going on two years now. And I am not ashamed to say that the night Hangman Page lifts the title, I will weep. It's just been fantastically built. Um, and do you think keeping the, the title off him for as long as they have? Because I know... You know, it was him or Jericho that he had the first belt the first time around. Do you think it was a good decision keeping him away from him for so long? Oh, fantastic. He didn't have the profile that Jericho had at the very start. Uh, Jericho was a brilliant inaugural champion. He really brought eyes to the product. And I honestly think that his his run as champion was one of the highlights of his whole career. Um, but definitely, they spent the next two years, the story with Hangman Page over the past two years has just been so phenomenal it's been his raise with Kenny Omega and then their fallout after losing the tag titles his loss of belief in himself there's an astonishing um uh interview he does where JR is talking to him and asking him how he feels and you know you expect these wrestlers to big themselves up and to you know shout and roar and hangman sits there with a drink in his hand and he just says I feel head to toe toxic I feel like I'm full of poison just, it's been so uh, fantastically built. Yeah. Um, it's honestly, it's been one of the best arcs in, in wrestling of the past, I don't know how long. So, so what else, um, anything else happened on the, on the show that you would recommend people check it out or just sit down and watch the whole thing and, and take it for what it is? I'd say sit down and watch it. Like, Dynamite's two hours and it, it zips by. Um, there's even like, even the little things in it are amazing. There's maybe a, 30, 40 second promo video from Miro and it's just yeah. astonishing. Like Miro has really uh, come into his own. Uh, he, he started in AEW, 
it was a bit of a dud, you know, he came in on a wedding angle and all this other stuff, but the past couple of months, he has more than come into his own. He's become the beast everyone wanted him to be as Rusev. Right. It's just better than you, you ever could have hoped for. One thing that is pretty interesting that's going to have my, my eyes on the product a lot more now is um, Alistair Black making his debut unexpectedly because obviously WWE thought that they didn't update his contract. So instead of having 90 days, he just has 30. So he's able to show up and nobody's able to say anything. You'd think after Lex Luger and Rick Rude, like the exact same thing happened with them sort of at the very start of the Monday Night Wars. Like you'd think they'd be over this stuff by now. Ah, uh, uh, but complacency is a horrible thing, isn't it? Well, that's it. Like you got to remember WWE had no competition for 20 odd years. Yeah. You know, um, like even little things that they've brought back, they only brought back because of AEW, you know, stuff like Pyro and mm-hmm. like they've really, really had, like you say, become complacent. They, they were in the number one spot and nobody else was in a position to get anywhere near them. Um, so no matter if you're a fan of AEW, fan of WWE, fan of both, whatever, I think it's it's objectively good for the business that AEW exists and that it's succeeding and that it's doing well. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, I'm still trying to find my, my entry point back into it. I'll tell you where it was interesting for me, right? Because I would, I would say I would have been a passionate AEW fan, or not even passionate, but like into it. I used to watch every Wednesday night, and then I went to Paris, went to Disneyland Paris, and obviously I didn't watch it. And, I, and then I was like, oh, I didn't miss anything. And then I went to London because I was working in London at the time, uh, in 2019, you know, when you could travel, and that was a thing. And at the end of December, I was like, Jeez, I haven't seen AEW in about five weeks. I sure didn't miss anything. And that's when I just stopped watching it. I was just like, what's going on? So I might have to find my way back to it. Yeah, I mean, it happens with wrestling fans. I think, um, I mean, obviously we, we love the sport. And, and it is a sport, I will argue that. Um, I know, come on. <laughs> so, I, I, th- I think it is. I think it's as much that's a sport fair. as if you could argue that Diving is a sport, gymnastics is a sport, you know, synchronized swimming is a sport. Like, I appreciate the passion. These are, the passion. these are performances. You're not necessarily, you know, competing directly against someone. It's who can do a performance the best. But um, I think with wrestling, yeah, a certain percentage of, of the times you watch it is just out of habit. It's Monday night, so you watch Raw. Yeah, it's wrestling night. It's, it's Wednesday night, so you watch it. Yeah, um, so you can fall out of it fairly easily. Like, we talked about this the other week, so I fell out of wrestling for about 10 years. Um, and that was just because I went to university and discovered whiskey and women, you know? <laughs> you know, one thing I did like, though, um, particularly when AEW started, was when you could kind of flick back and forward through NXT and also to AEW. I thought that kind of worked really well for both of them. And the fact that's not really a thing anymore is... Yeah. It's, it, it has to hurt AEW, but definitely hurt NXT. It's kind of been really counterintuitive. I've been very surprised. I assumed, given the uh, you know the intensity of the, the Wednesday Night Wars, as they were called, that when NXT moved to Tuesday, that both shows would really benefit. Both yeah. shows would see that that um, sort of overlap fans would now have two separate nights. Uh, but it hasn't really happened for NXT. NXT have kind of, their viewership has just been what it was. Um, there's not really much buzz 
around the product. I, I say that by the way, like I, I don't want to get into like a an AEW NXT thing here. I really like NXT. Like Yeah, but I think Tuesday nights is a really like even with SmackDown being all well very often the better show from wrestling, like when it was on Tuesdays, not nobody watched it. Tuesdays isn't a good night for wrestling. You know, no, and, and then you gotta you gotta factor into the fact that you got three hours of Raw on Monday, two hours of NXT on Tuesday, two hours of Dynamite on Wednesday, two hours of SmackDown on Friday. God knows, like sure, WWE seems to do a pay-per-view every 20 minutes. Like it's just it's no, that's it's true. Much, you know, it's you know, and, and like even like last month now. Look, even talking, you know, switching back to pay per view, like Hell in a Cell really felt like the most pointless pay per view in the world because, like, and it was only a couple of weeks ago, it only feels like last week that we were talking about it. And, um, you know, that's, that's what this show feels like now. So, you know, yeah. I would say if anyone hasn't checked out AW's Firefest, like, I'm probably going to give it a watch at some point this week. 100%. And uh, the Fight TV app, I think, is something like four ninety nine a month for just brilliant. Um, but I actually completely agree with what you're saying there about so, some of the WWE's pay-per-views seem almost um, counterproductive. Like the yeah. the one they had, what was the one they had before WrestleMania? Everyone was hyped up for WrestleMania, and then they had this daft. It's one of those stupid B-level names, Roadblock or Roadblock, or yeah. Fast Lane or yeah. some bollocks like that. They're um, never good. Those pay per views are never good, except for that one time where Triple H went against Dean Ambrose and had like the match of the year. Yeah, well, it was just random. Yeah. yeah, you can pull out like great matches anywhere if the the two guys are motivated. But it does seem sometimes that this need to have a pay per view every three or four weeks kind of gets in the way sometimes of of really good storytelling because wrestling. Well, night one of WrestleMania anyway was fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah, the night two was a, it really was a tale of two cities. But what's funny about this pay per view now on on Sunday, is that like it's very WrestleMania esque. Like, there's a lot of fallout from WrestleMania. Like, I think it's the first time we're going to see, and it's a shame Dave isn't here. Dave has food poisoning, ladies and gentlemen. So he had to tag out tonight. So uh, it's just going to be the two of us. AJ Styles is just on the show. I'm sure Dave's thrilled. And uh, that's what I guess that's where we'll start because the, the match card I'm looking here has that as the main event, which is really weird. So AJ Styles and Osmo and Osmos are going to be defending their WWE Raw Tag Team Championships against the Viking Raiders. And obviously, I don't think the Viking Raiders are going to win. I'm shocked they're still there. But uh, I am also surprised to see these belts being defended. What do you think about that? I mean, on the one hand, I suppose it's good to see WWE given some sort of credence towards tag team wrestling, which is very much a, a secondary concern. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I just, it breaks my heart to see the Viking Raiders. I loved uh, War Machine so yeah. much in NXT. I was such a huge fan. Um, their last ever match, you know, where they came out in all the, the shields and swords. And I think they took on, um, actually it was Alistair Black and... Uh, ricochet was it? Ricochet, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic stuff. And then the sh- and ever since they showed up on on the main roster or, or however we're supposed to refer to, it, it's just been one disaster after another. And my heart actually breaks with them. Um, I think the the uh, AW roster is it's full. 
I think adding any more to it, it would it would risk getting too bloated, even with the new show. But if I could take anyone from WWE over, it would be War Machine and Walter. I say give it time. I say give it time. You know, I don't think we're we're through here yet with the WWE cutoffs and the AEW reshuffling. I say give it some time. You know, I I because there are some talk now that coming over SummerSlam are going to have Goldberg or something like that back and to bring in him you're going to have to cut some slack so you know obviously I think AJ Styles and Osmos are winning here I think you'd probably agree with me and the Viking Raiders go back to catering so it's unfortunate it really is unfortunate it's, it's such a pity um, I haven't seen too much of Omos is he any good or is he just huge? no he's, he's, he's just a huge guy and AJ just spots off him he, he, I'll give them one thing though. He is impressively huge. Like he doesn't have to do much. He's no, no. But you know, as I said, like it's it's a kind of thing where once you get over the size factor of him, he seems to be able to move quite well. But again, he's just something for for AJ to do spots off of, which is which is fair. So I don't think it'll be a very long match. It's just weird that Wikipedia has it as a, as the main event. So I really well, hope it is the main event. It's one thing I'll, I'll give AJ Styles. You could give that man a mop as a partner, and he'd he'd make a, a match out of it. Like he is, he is phenomenal. You know. Oh yeah, man. So here's one: the pre-match, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, who are the tag team champions on SmackDown, are going against the Usos. That's weird because I, I didn't, you know, Jay kind of disappeared, and then he was placed with Jimmy. And now they're both back, going against the the Mysterios. Do you think they have a chance to win here, or do you think they're going to? That's on the pre. On that's on the pre-show. Yeah, according to uh to Wikipedia, it's the pre-show. Yeah. Jeez, that that sounds like a a big match for the pre-show. I mean, mm. uh, Ray is a huge like Ray has legendary status, and um, you know the Usos are obviously involved in you know main event level stuff with with uh. Roman Reigns. Um, I'm really surprised to hear that's on the pre-show. Yeah, it's on the pre-show apparently. But you know the way they they do this, they change them around. But you know, it it just shows you where how the WWE factors their tag division. Where it's like, okay, we're gonna put you here on the on the pre-show. You know, it's it's yeah. disappointing, but um, it, it's kind it's of what a, it is. it's kind of a strange thing with the the way the network works and now with the uh obviously over in the us they have the peacock thing it's if 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 dave was here you could tell us more about the peacock how how that works but um like they've kept so many of the pay-per-view tropes while it's not actually a pay-per-view anymore like the Mm. you know you have the you have the monthly subscription and so kind of negates the need for a pre-show like a pre-show is there to be on free TV to entice you to buy the pay-per-view. And it's not a pay-per-view because you're not paying per view. And but I don't even yeah. think I don't I don't even think it adds anything. Like the WrestleMania one kind of did and not even the actual pre-show they had, but yeah. just kind of stalling with the inappropriate like with the in what's it the unscripted promos before they were oh, kind of getting the rain delay. That was this great. Was the, the thunderstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was actually quite good and probably that's you know there is something to be said for, for the return of Sunday Night Heat. And, you know, yes. I think Dave myself said this before, but, like, I think a show like Heat deserves 
it's place back. Where you don't just do random matches, you just kind of add the final touches to your like I always loved, you know, when you'd watch and actually I'm kind of excited to go back to WWE after we get to this run of WCW, you know, where the, the heat would take place inside the actual arena. So it'd be like backlash. Yeah. And like heat would be a backlash and you'd be seeing some random jobber just show up and it'd be in the pay. I always thought that was great. Yeah, just change the apron on the change the apron, yeah. And you're like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And it was, it was a nice way. Well, like I say, it's, it serves its purpose. It it gets people to the point where they go, oh, oh, I might throw down 20 quid for this pay-per-view now after seeing that, you know? Or even, you know, as you said, like nowadays with the with the networks, like, oh, I might actually like give up my son and I to watch this. You know, there's something here to watch. And it's just you don't have that nowadays where it's like the pre-show, it's like, okay, I might have seen one match, but then I saw 20 minutes of people talking. But not saying anything, you know, they don't even have like Renee Young or anything there. They just have like maybe Booker T comes out and says some funny, something funny, and it's about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, but uh, yeah, I don't think Ray and, and Dominic are gonna lose the belts on this. What do you think? I, I, it would be given that, like you say, they have the raw tag titles as the main event, it'd be a tremendous <laughs> disservice to the SmackDown tag titles to have them change on a pre-show, particularly yeah. given that um, and I don't like to pull real-life stuff into the storylines too much, but particularly given that one of the Usos, I mean, he's bound to be skating on very thin ice. Yeah, very thin ice. At the moment. I can't imagine them putting him into an even more prominent position, uh, given the risk of you know, something happening. That's a fair call. Um, the Money in the Bank ladder match for the World Tag Team Championship, sorry, for the World Championship contract. Um, Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. I think this whole thing is to kind of get Drew McIntyre back up for a run with, you know, fans present. So I'd say probably Drew's a safe pick to go for, but they could take a turn and give it to Seth Rollins. But I think Drew McIntyre is where the where you bet the house. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. So there's three guys there who it might be, and there's three guys there who it definitely won't be. It yeah. definitely won't be Nakamura, um, Morrison, or Ricochet. I, I don't know why they've... Or Riddle. <laughs> Or, uh, yeah, I don't know why they've done Ricochet so dirty. Like, he's yeah. just phenomenal. Um, I can see why you would go with uh, with uh, Drew, but that leads to the, like, so Drew can't challenge Lashley. So I don't see them sort of painting, backing themselves into a corner where they would have Drew take on uh, Roman. Because that's your... You could take on edge. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I suppose. Um, definitely one of those two, though. Yeah, I, I don't see anyone else coming anywhere near. Like you say, last year, they had their wee experiment in giving it to the unexpected person, and mm-hmm. that was just start-to-finish disaster. Yeah, it's, I don't think they're going to be in a rush to make that, that, that mistake again. So then we have Oscar, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Ash, uh, Liv Morgan, Selena Vega, Natalia, and Tamina for the women's championship contract. So it's definitely not going to be Selena Vega anyway. 
she's she's probably just gonna get put through fourteen tables by Tamina. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just full on punishment. Um, I would say either Oscar, but they've already done Oscar so many times that they could probably just go another direction and put Alexa Bliss in. But she's injured, so probably not. How so maybe you know, how badly injured is Alexa Bliss? I keep hearing different things. Um, because her character does not require her to do a lot in the ring. So you think they give her like a fiend run? It, well, exactly. Like now, don't get me wrong. I, I think she's a fantastic wrestler. I, I think she's been really done a disservice by this stupid gimmick. Yeah. Um, but it is the type of thing that would let her, you know, hold the money in the bank and just do spooky bollocks in the rafters or in the you know backstage or it's it's the type of thing and like we've seen people hold the money in the bank briefcase for a year you know it's the type of thing she could hold to if, if it's not a very serious injury type of thing she could hold i mean if she's in the match she can't be that badly injured that's a fair point too all right i'd go with alexa bless them yeah because like you say i, I get what you say but oscar the the tend to give it to her because it's a it's a way of acknowledging the fact that she's probably the best wrestler they have, maybe alongside Charlotte, um, without actually giving her a title. You know, it's kind of like a reward or an acknowledgement. Um, but I think even though she's done fantastic work over the pandemic era, I think Oscar needs a bit of a a break, go away for a wee while and and then come back to a huge pop. Still, Jim Cornette, how can I miss you if you won't go away? Absolutely. That's it. You know, it's familiarity breeds contempt, and that's kind of the situation with a lot of them, particularly Charlotte Flair. But, uh, okay, so we're, got, we're getting into the, big, the biggies now. So a single match for the WWE World Championship, Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston. I don't think Bobby will drop. Kofi will have a good show, and there'll be shenanigans. Yeah, great show from Kofi. Um, real underdog, babyface, fire stuff. But they stumbled into something with with Lashley here that I don't think even they expected it to to do so well. Um, and yeah, I think they're going to keep that going a little bit longer. And I can see Lashley eventually, like basically coming up against a huge name, either one head to head with Roman or Brock coming in. Something like that. Goldberg. Goldberg, maybe, but Goldberg's, again, I don't like to pull the real life stuff in. Goldberg's contracted to, to two matches a year. Yeah. You know? I don't see him winning a, a title. That's fair. Rhea Ripley defends her women's championship against Charlotte Flair. Don't think they're going to do Rhea that, that dirty again. So I don't think it's gone anywhere. No, and. Like, like I said, I don't keep up with it week to week, but uh, is this not the 40th time? <laughs> Rhea and Charlotte, too much. Yeah. And then we have uh, Roman Reigns versus Edge for the Universal title. Now, here's the thing Roman will win if Drew McIntyre doesn't. So, if Drew wins, I can see Edge getting the surprise win and then Drew going in and and cashing it in. That's what that's what I could see happening. It'd be clever and interesting. 
but it's WWE, so it probably won't work that, that way. So if we were putting money on it, Martin, I would say Roman Reigns is going to win. But if but they is, go for something crazy, it could happen. Is Drew, is he SmackDown or Raw? He is uh, Raw, but he, as you said, he can't challenge for the title. So can, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. I can see how the, the winner of the money in the bank will, will impact the uh, the winner of the, the, the universal title. I don't think they're they're taking it off Reigns. I think that is with Reigns to WrestleMania. Really? To absolutely huge. Probably beyond it. Ba- basically, I see the the at some stage the rock coming in. Yeah, um, I think they're gonna throw whatever money they have to at him. Um but what I will say is that. They're not really painting them, uh, backing themselves into a corner with having Reigns be so dominant. When they do drop it to someone, it is that person is instantly made. Like that's going to be the way they've pushed Roman the past year, year and a half. Like whoever eventually takes the title off him is instantly made. So I, I don't, I don't see it being Edge this Sunday. Okay, very interesting. Very, uh, very interesting take on that because I didn't even think about that, but I do think you're right. You know, how amazing would that be if we get to WrestleMania and it's still, you know, it, it, it's still Roman Reigns? That's, well, that's like an old school, yeah, it's like an old school long term run. Like, like people complain that the belt lost a lot of its prestige um, over the years where it kind of got hot shotted around and you had run like title reigns of like 90 days and stuff like that um it seems like they're going with a you know an almost cm punk kind of yeah done here all right well uh, that is going to be coming everybody's way this sunday um if you're listening to this on phoenix fm we'll be doing a review of it next week um if you're checking this out on the stream of course uh it'll, it, it'll be coming this way sunday because i plan to have this up relatively soon um, so we're going to switch we definitely have here. to watch it now if we're doing the review next week yeah I know you do you have to watch <laughs> it you have to watch it uh, even to just like as I said Money in the Bank is a show which I don't really mind watching it kind of zips along um, it, it's always kind of fun and I look I love ladder matches anyway so I'm like oh, yeah, at least it'll be, it'll be a good one you know it's got a, a Royal Rumble element to it it's, it does you go, with it, you go yeah. for the gimmick yeah it does like it, you know as I said like there's very few like, Compared to Hell in a Cell, where it's like, you know, it takes away from it. Oh. Money in the bank is added to it. But I do think, you know, you miss it at WrestleMania. You know, it was something that, t- that should have probably stayed there, you know. And, but it is what it is. So let's j- hop in the time machine, Martin. Yeah, um, and go, yeah go back to the 90s. So we're going to jump back to February 21st, 1999 from Oakland Arena in Oakland, California. The ninth Super Bowl produced by World Championship Wrestling. So this is Super, uh, Super Brawl 9. And this obviously, you know, we jumped a little bit because we already did sold out uh, a, couple of, a couple of years ago. So this is still kind of coming off the finger poke, not, not the, the stun gun and the yeah. NWO really kind of running the workshop and we're kind of going into this 
where the you know what hits the fan in WCW, but there's still a lot of good there. Yeah. So uh, commentators for the night are Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Mike Tenay. And uh, yeah, man, like let's just kind of get straight into this. So we had a pretty good opener with Booker T defeated Disco Inferno. This is like the first proper time that Booker T has been got a bit of a run. He was in Harlem Heat for a while, kind of broke away from him, started just decimating the lower card. A uh, quick nine-minute opener here. So what do you think about that? It, so this opened, and I instantly was dismayed. My sort of hype instantly slumped because everything gave me just dodgy WCW vibes. vibes. Really? A disco Inferno, a mid-card jobber came out. He's NWO Wolfpack, and I'm remembering, yeah. oh, God, this is the time when there was so Everyone many was people Wolfpack. in the NWO that had to split the NWO up. Like, pay-per-view opening with this mid-card job or blah, blah, blah. And then the crowd went nuts. Disco Inferno is over. Yep. Like, they pop for his entrance. They pop for his... Like his dance moves and his gyrations. I don't think it, maybe it's just because you know he's the first guy out on the you know the pay-per-view start. Maybe they're all in high spirits. No, there's like a couple of couple of moves during the match where he gets the, the better of, of Goldberg of uh, Booker T. There's a neck breaker at one point. Uh, the crowd's popping again for his moves. Like I was genuinely uh, surprised by how over Disco Inferno was in 1999. Well, the thing about it is, you know, they did have the, the oversaturation of the NWO, but the NWO also kept a lot of people over. And Disco Inferno, it, like, Disco Inferno had a career well into, like, 2006. Yeah. So, he was sustained by this alone. It was a, kind of a lame gimmick, but he made a lot of money, and people really liked him around this time. And the thing about it is, yeah, while there was saturation in the NWO and products start going down, 1999, to a point wasn't terrible we're getting to that point but we're not there yet yeah like th- this was uh, like so like i said that, that was just my initial first impression that changed instantly when the crowd went mad and they had a really good match like you say this is just as booker t's taken off as a singles loved harlem heat you know yeah. one of those things where i was i was kind of disappointed when they broke up but then booker t went off to just be amazing yes. um so this was a really good match. And I was kind of tainted maybe a wee bit from when we did, um, what was it we did last week? The WCW... Uh, uh, Starcade. Starcade, yeah. So it had a really good opener. And then it slumped for about 40 minutes. This was kind of the opposite. This is really the opposite. Yeah, show. really yeah. the opposite. And it's funny because this is just a standard pay-per-view. And Starcade was the pay-per-view. Yeah, Star Kids, they're mania. That's a mania, yeah. Um, but no, this got off. Like, that was a really good opener. It wasn't, wasn't a blow-away match of the year. It was a really good opener and genuinely had me surprised and in a really good mood and sort of a positive for the rest of the, you know, right, I'm willing to give this a chance now. Well, I really enjoyed the next one, even though I had a bit of uh, shenanigans. Chris Jericho with Ralphus. We were disappointed he never actually brought it with him somewhere because I think there was there was still juice in that in that lemon. Uh, defeated Perry Saturn by count out in about eleven minutes. So a fun match, 
because it's Chris Jericho. Perry Saturn is just kind of there. Um, I don't know. I, Jericho makes anything work, and he made this work. And I don't think if I had been anyone else in there with Perry Saturn doing this, I don't think it w- I would have had any fond memories of it. Yeah, uh, another good match. Um, Saturn, I, I would slightly disagree. I think Saturn is very underrated. Um, oh, he is, but he's very boring. Uh, okay, yeah, I can, I can kind of understand that. Uh, but I think someone being boring comes down as much to their booking as to their character. Like, for example, when he came in with the Radicals into WWF at the time, like, he was he was kind of the the ginger stepchild. Of yes, the, he was the, kind of forgotten in the, in the background. And then they stuck him with that mop and all that other nonsense, which is a pity because I, I honestly think he's he's a he's a technically a really sound wrestler. I really enjoyed this match. Um, the rings of Saturn to this day remains one of my favorite submission moves. It's nasty. Um. The only thing is just a bizarre, stupid finish that took the wind out of a really good match. Well, we'll see what it builds to, uh, with the next show as well. Because remember, we're kind of following this in, in sequential. And remember, by the end of this year, Jericho would be, by the end of it, a couple of months, Jericho would be showing up in SummerSlam. So we're probably we're going to see what made him leave. And it was probably yeah. stuff like this. I mean, like, we're probably missing some context here. So we're, we're reviewing the pay-per-views. We're not watching the, the four Nitros that led up to it. So, yeah, there's probably some context we're missing. Well, here's um, the thing. If, if, if the folks would want us to do that, we can do that. Um, but I, I like to watch these in isolation sometimes because it kind of gives us a good kind of feel of what, in, what a casual WCW fan would be kind of experiencing. That's yeah. why I like to do it this way, you know? Can I ask you, is it, do you know, is, I, I don't understand, Grim, is Ralph still alive? Oh, geez, I don't know. He's, he's a non-clickable link, so God. I don't think so. <laughs> that could be one or the other. I, I think that'd be, that'd be a hell of a pop for, for Ralph to show up in Dynamite. Oh, imagine. <laughs> oh, man, imagine. That would be cool. You know, Jericho should, should 100% do that if... If that's a thing, that would be class. I mean, he, he probably wouldn't. He's um, he's actually been really disciplined about when he's done with a gimmick and moved on to his new thing. He, yeah. he never goes back. And he he could get really cheap pops doing the the white two J stuff and whatever else. He he just doesn't like he he moves on to something new and he sticks with it. Well, that's you know I think when Jericho's career is finished. The DVD box set that comes out is going to be something else, even for me or one of them, you know, from AEW and WWE, obviously. But, um, what the, okay, so Billy Kidman defeated Chavo Guerrero for the Cruiserweight Championship, less shenanigans than in the last one, another Guerrero loss. Um, but you know, Billy only had to wrestle once this night, uh, on this show, so uh, yeah, he was good though, like you know. When, when Dave talks about him, he gives him a lot of stick. And I, I always really enjoy Billy Kidman, and I really like Chavo Guerrero in this weight category as well. Is Dave it's, not a not. Kidman fan? No, he hates Billy Kidman. I don't know why. I'm a wee bit shocked by that. Yeah, I always loved him. I 
I don't know, maybe it was just the, the age I was at the time and he was wearing, you know, his short jeans and his, you know. He is the most, he is the most like, unique looking of the whole lot, you know, because obviously until Raven comes in and kind of steals that yeah. a little bit away from him. But uh, I always thought it was cool. Yeah, you know, actually, in ring, I thought he was really good. Um, I thought this match was fantastic. So you had your, obviously, your typical... WCW high flying action, but mm. what I loved about this was there was loads of little things Kidman did that were and Chavo did that were brilliant. Like there was yeah. one one spot where uh, he gets pulled off the apron into the barricade. Um, the oh, the, the Frankensteiner from the top rope where that was sick. Where he held it yeah. when they hit him, like that kind of stuff is like that impresses me more than the triple flip off the. Off the Titantron, you know. Well, the way I think, he... well, I think what's cool about this, and I kind of said, I kind of said it to you last week as well, or last time we were talking about it. With this, is like the because these matches are done by weight category, it's less of a gimmick and more like they weigh the same or similar, but they're still having these really cool matches instead of where you see it, where it's like all about doing the flips or they're all going to wrestle like Shawn Michaels. You know, they're gonna yes. go. They're like Billy Kidman and Chavo Guerrero are going out there, and they just happen to be cruiserweights, but they're having these phenomenal matches. And I, I think it's yeah, it, it's and, a brilliant way to like to, to pad your show. Oh yeah, like I mean, once you get out of the uh, you know the 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 big names, the top guys, like WCW at the time was. I think we we had this discussion before saved by its mid card or its lower mid card at least the uh like those cruiserweight guys i i, I can't remember a time where i watched uh the cruiserweight sort of section was a bad match you know it's it's always been good i tell you the other thing i noticed and it only really hit me once under this stage that wcw ring is stiff yeah like it's those small guys, and stiff those guys are coming down from the top hitting it and it is not no bounce there is no even you notice when they're walking across it like when they're stood on the mat there's no crease around where their feet are no like there's no freaking given that ring like it's no and now uh, it's funny because Foley says that the uh the WWF ring at the time was similar that when he came through the ring it, when he came through the cell it almost killed them. But he says that when they brought in the new rings that had maybe a wee bit more, not, I don't want to say bounce, but just a wee bit more give, that that actually hastened the end of his career because that messed up his knees. When his he knees, yeah. Across it. But man, I was watching that and I was like, that looks terrible. When I was training, uh, we used to train with, I was originally in a group called CCW down in Cork. And then it's kind of disbanded and became uh, Phoenix Wrestling. And Phoenix Wrestling is the group down there today. Uh, fantastic promotion. But the difference between the CCW ring, which like you might as well have been getting dropped on the street outside, oh, and wow. the, the Phoenix ring, like, the difference was, was amazing. I, I remember one time the, uh, the CCW ring, we had to call off. We just had to call off training altogether because the uh, the board every time you get slammed on it would 
come out from the wee hitch that held it. Oh out. no! Oh god! <laughs> no giving that ring either. No, just it's held together. It was it, it was it was it was a feast or a famine. It was either no give or completely give. Oh well, well that's yeah. No, yeah, it's something that every time I watch the WCW shows, I'm like, the comparison is really interesting. And it's not only in like the big things like production, but it is in the way the ring looks. And I wasn't looking at I was looking at that from that sort of thing, but it is very very stiff. But how small it looks! It looks like a tiny little ring, even though it's probably the same size as a WWE ring. But the way they shoot it, you know. So with the WWE ring, it's twenty by twenty, is it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I think most independent rings are sixteen by sixteen. So I'd imagine if this isn't 20, it's maybe 18. Yeah. It's it enough that you notice like, it. Particularly with the bigger guys. Like when you sit when Hogan and uh, well actually when the the outsiders are in there and they're thrown <laughs> and they're thrown Mysterio around, you're like, Jesus, like <laughs> yeah. oh, it's like Mysterio is it's like he has nowhere to go. Yeah, it's it's you know. Um, but anyway. So uh, I guess we'll we'll jump in there. So the outsiders defeated Conan and Mysterio in a hair versus mask match. Now this is interesting because a lot of people aren't even aware that Rey Mysterio lost his mask and he wrestled a very long time without a mask. And even when they scan him in current WWE games, they actually scan his face and if you take that mask off, his face is still there. Now, not to be mean to Rey Mysterio, but looks better with the mask on. Weird looking dude. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a tremendous aura as like so. This was back when he was Rey Mysterio Junior. So yeah. he was still not not. It's wrong to say his father's coattails because like most like uh, Western or North American fans wouldn't really know his father. No. But he had a name um, and an aura that came with that. And then he removed his mask, and I don't think a mask removal is ever. It never really lives up to it. Like, what do you expect? They're just a person. Uh, and he did have a real, <laughs> not to use the wrestling parlance, but he, he did have a real baby face. Yeah, he, he just, he just, it didn't, it didn't do anything for him. Like, and, you know, there's lots of stick that Kevin Nash got for this because Kevin Nash is the reason this happened because Nash was booking. And he was kind of like, I just wanted to do it. And it was that kind of, it was as blatant as that. Like, look, if, if Rey Mysterio has to lose his mask, fine, right? Yeah. And, but make it a story. Make it a one-on-one blood feud with another lucha, you know, and, and have it be a like a, a real high-profile, like a, a career-defining thing. Not some tag match where nobody really believed he was going to win because the alternative was that they were going to shave Miss Elizabeth's head. Never going to happen. No, never. Never And you even said as well, have we done some, like, you know, some context? That's the context. It's as simple as that. Like, there was no blood feud. There was no... There was really not much else going into it. It was just, we'll do it because we can do it. And it just... It, it didn't come off well. It was, it was disappointing. And you know, Kevin and uh, Kevin Ash and Scott Hall won. And, you know, in twenty twenty one, Rey Mysterio is going to be wrestling this Sunday with his mask. So 
What's the exactly? You know, what his mask on and one A. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What I will say though is, it's like the match itself was was kind of a good mix. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. Like you had your big man, literally your big man and small man match. It was it was a good matchup until it wasn't. Yeah. And and Ray is great in ring. The outsiders are great. Character work. Um, you know, so I, I really enjoyed the match, but at no stage that I for one second entertained the possibility that uh, Elizabeth was getting her head shaved or that there was going to be any other ending. Um there was, and again, this is one of those things that comes with being a wrestling nerd and just knowing all this stuff. There was a moment of awkwardness when Elizabeth walked out holding Lex Luger's hand, kind of knowing yeah. what happens there and what was going on in the background. We were just kind of like, Ugh. at these times, you've got to kind of turn off that and enjoy it as a fan in 1999 sometimes because wrestling is very yeah. sad when you know what comes next when certain people walk well, out, you know. Yeah, it's kind of we've we've skipped over a match here. Um, yeah, we'll go back to it now in a second because it's the longest because it's the longest match of the whole night. Yeah, but but the only reason I mention is because it's very similar in that Absolutely. it has Benoit in it. You know, yep. but you just have to put that aside. Well, that's it, and not only is Benoit in it with Dean Malenko, and uh, he would lose to Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham for the WCW World Tele- uh, Tag Team Championship. It's also an extremely good match, extremely tactical match, and oh my god, like I could watch this kind of match nonstop. And it is one of those kind of things where, like, as we said, with the cruiserweights, they had these this undercard that would just carry the show and the absolute workhorse all the way through. And in case of point is this: they go out, they have the longest match, you know, it's double the main event, and it's flawless. No. So here's where we're going to we're going to come to handbags. Um, <laughs> I thought this match was less than the sum of its parts. Okay, that's, Hennig, that's fair Benoit, too. Hennig, Benoit, Malenko, just I mean, there's three of my all-time favorite wrestlers right there. I don't know as much about Wyndham. I, I don't know much about his history, so I, I can't I, I can't say it. You know. That I had any expectations of him, but Hennig, Benoit, Malenko, I maybe maybe my expectations were just too high. When I saw those three in the same match, I was expecting, you know, sleeper hit of the night, like the the, the top match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was it was fine. It it wasn't what I expected. It was too long, and it had a confusing, stupid finish. Again, like you say, probably just because we're missing the context of the uh, the tournament and all that led up to it, and however they came to this stipulation where they had to win the match and then win the match again. But um, if if the show and it actually didn't, unlike Starcade, the show didn't have a slump. But if anything could be said to be a slump, for me it was really surprisingly it was it was this twenty minutes here. See, a lot of interesting stuff around this was, as you said, it's the, the context of this is, was the poor booking. Why stuff happened? Sometimes stuff just kind of happened. And also, again, the workhorses were here, but they weren't necessarily given anything. I know they were given the, the tag belts, but, you know, in the same match, we had the television title and the US title. Scott Hall comes out, 
defeats Piper, right? There was no reason for Scott Hall to wrestle again. If anything, they could have, you know, let's just go with it. They could have had a single two out of three falls match for the US title with Benoit going against Hennig. And that would have been a much better match. But again, they were too busy trying to, to keep their spots. And the horsemen, sadly, were the ones who always got beaten down by the NWO in real life and in storyline. So, yeah. And like, I mean, I love Scott Hall. One of my greatest memories will always be driving him around Cork while he smoked <laughs> a joint in the car. Uh, oh. But he's, he's never been what you'd call, you know, the workhorse. I don't think yeah. he needed to be pulling double duty on a on a pay-per-view. A, a B-grade pay-per-view, which is <laughs> it needs to be said. So, so the finish up here, uh, Scott, Scott Steiner had a really decent match with DDP. Really good. Really, really good. And it was for the television title, which I always forget the television title was a thing. I think they should bring that back. To be fair, I think there should be the television title in WWE. But... I thought this was a really good match. Like for Scott Steiner, for Scott Steiner, you don't expect that, particularly with what comes later. And he goes out and just has this brilliant match with DDP out of nowhere. This is the sleeper hit of the night. Just sensation, fun, fiery brawl. Like it, it but it, so you get you're thinking like a Bret Hart, Steve Austin. And you can have a brawl that's just kick, punch, kick, punch, boring nonsense. This was brilliant. This yeah. was all fire. It didn't need to be a technical masterpiece. It had the story behind it. It was all fire. DDP is amazing. I yes. always forget how friggin' good DDP is. Um, he's over as hell with the crowd. Big Papa Pump is just a wind-up merchant. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's at his best here. He's at his best oh, here as well, which is brilliant. I really, really surprised. In fact, so much of this pay-per-view really surprised me. Like This must be the zenith just before WCW went it is. the toilet. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like I would watch this today, and this was a bloody fun pay-per-view. This match... In the middle. So, uh, just a few things about it. Earlier in the show, it's very attitude era. Earlier in the show, they do a kind of promo for this match where <laughs> Big Papa Pump entices DDP's wife into a car and then he drives down the road, he's flying down there and he just fires her out of the car. Like, oh, that would not fly today. It was oh. simultaneously hilarious and horrifying. <laughs> but it was 1989 oh, and he was big papa pump so what are you going to do and to be fair it's not as bad as what was going on in WWE at this time either so he doesn't get a pass but you know it wasn't as bad as it could have been uh, Goldberg also, defeated oh sorry just, just before we go on I just wanted to say there was also a couple of really great spots in this match um, and there, there are simple things that anyone could do and it just got me thinking about like moves that look really awesome, that are really easy to do, that nobody really does anymore. Mm -hmm. So DDP does this amazing kind of a tree of woe chokehold on Steiner. Looked fantastic. And it reminded me a lot of, do you know Bret Hart used to do the, um, the figure four around the ring post? Yes. Awesome spot. Always Such a good spot. 
Nobody does it anymore. Like I've never seen this tree of woe uh, choke done anywhere else. Um, but yeah, I just I just wanted to bring that up. I thought there was for a match that was a, a fiery brawl. I thought there was a couple of really great spots in it. I would say, you know, again, it's a steeper hit than I. If you're going to watch one match from this, probably watch the Signer DDP match because they're going to have a great time watching it. Um, Goldberg defeated Bam Bam Bigelow and then Hogan, of course, defeated Ric Flair for the WCW Championship, returning from running for, for president, which was the storyline at the time. Um, <laughs> what did you make of these two matches or and or did they live up to the, the pay-per-view? Were they pay-per-view quality? Okay, so go Goldberg Bigelow first. Um, I love Bigelow. Yeah. It's pretty clear, though, that at this point, he is sort of just past the, the tipping point of his prime. Yeah. He's he's a big man. Like, that's his gimmick, but he's he's slightly he's slightly bigger than this. He's still fast. He's still incredibly fast for a man his size and really impressive. Uh did he always have a no music entrance, or was that just a botch? Or he didn't. No, they would. No, that, that, I think that was just a botch in this. Yeah, yeah. He just he walked out with no. He got the real jobber treatment. Um, but no, look, it was a Goldberg match. It was. Yeah, it was typical. Goldberg. It went slightly longer than a typical Goldberg match. Uh, it was good. Um, so was a couple of distracting spots. Goldberg must have been doing his his head banging thing because he had this this not a cut on his head it was like a chunk of flesh lifted out of his head yeah and it, wasn't, it wasn't bleeding but it was like you were seeing through to the flesh it was like bright red um and then i thought it was funny at the end that he went for the jackhammer and then realized he had him hooked under the wrong arm <laughs> he had to end with a clothesline and lift him up again yeah, Goldberg wasn't, you know, for as interesting and unique as his run was, he wasn't a good technical wrestler, even in his prime. And it's no. kind of proves it. No, no. And like we've, I mean, we've seen it with even today, not today, but modern day with his matches with The Undertaker and The Fiend. And obviously, I will never, ever forgive him for what he did to Bret Hart. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> um, but this was this was a fine match, a perfectly good um, uh, match before the main event. You know, a big up and coming guy against Bigelow, who a legend in his own right. Um, yeah, really, really good action, really good booking, regardless yeah. of what you thought of the match. Really good booking and really good placement. And what about the main event? So again, the story, the story of this whole pay per view is that was surprisingly good. Yeah, I was zero expectation for this. Never been a flair guy because I've heard all the stories of what flair is amazing that he seventy eighty minute brawls with funk, you know, in the eighties, and I never saw any of it. So I've never known flair at his best. So I've never been a huge player. Hogan just notorious bad in WCW. So I had. I was just expecting this to be another Halloween Havoc, Ultimate Warrior style dud. Mm. So yeah. surprised. This match was, okay, barring the end, which I assume we'll talk about in a minute, this match was brilliant. 
great atmosphere. It was very sports entertainment. You know, it was all about the the pointing and the the brawling and the the fact that they're two huge stars. The atmosphere was astonishing. Flair was bleeding into his fantastic white hair. Hogan took off the belt and gave him a Cody Rhodes level whipping with it. It was really vicious. Um, I, I don't know if this is one of those ambiguous WCW. Is it a DQ? Is it no DQ? Because there was a couple of very blatant chair shots right in front of the referee. Yeah, they kind of just let it go. But do you know what this reminded me of? What? Hogan Rock at WrestleMania 17. Very much so, except for the ending, obviously, which we'll talk about. But yeah, Hogan Rock was the closest thing to an actual WCW match on WWE television. This was... I was so surprised by how much I enjoyed this. Like, like you say, so Steiner DDP was probably the the hit of the night. But if, if you're a, a sports entertainment guy more than a wrestling guy, it's Hogan Flair. How so, WWE had these two guys and didn't do this match, I'll never know. Well, I agree with you, but we have to talk about the elephant in the room. And it's... Hogan did win the match after David Flair, who's Ric Flair, who was Ric Flair's real life son, turned heel, used a stun gun. Not this is a different stun gun, I'm assuming, than the one at uh, Starcade on his own farther, and then joined well, the end. Was NWO? Maybe he just got it off. Scott Hall. Scott Hall. He just have it. Just like, oh, here you go. This ends everything. But uh, yeah, NWO release uh, got a new member that night, and you know. Hollywood Hulk Hogan back as the uh, the, w, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, ending out the show overall. I would say, look, if you haven't seen it, it's a it's solid B. It's it's a lot better than Starcade, that's for sure. What what are your thoughts on it before we, we finish up? This, so so two things I just want to say very quickly about this. Absolutely, I forget that Hogan, like. Hogan wasn't great in the ring in WCW, and that was by choice because Hogan yes. can go. If you yeah. look up uh, his his very few um, NJPW matches, he puts his working boots on there, um, and I think he had them on here. Uh, the only other thing to say about this match is that it was so perfectly presented. The atmosphere was was fantastic. The, it, this felt like a big money fight and everything was great right up until Tory Wilson walked out. Is it that's is it is that, that Tory Wilson? Is that who that's Tory Wilson, yeah. She was yeah. she was in a, a storyline feud with or relationship with David Flair. Yeah. Ruined by typical swerve for swerve sex bullshit. Um and and just to make it all worse, like David Flair does not look like a wrestler. He That's why he failed. He just doesn't. He he, he honestly he looks like a, a, a child who's lost in the shopping center and can't find his ma. You know, he's got these big red cheeks and these big scared eyes, and you know, he's walking up to the camera and holding his teacher going, NWO. And I don't believe that for a second. You know, it just you know what it, it actually reminded me of. I don't think it was maybe not this level of letdown. But um, the ending of this match reminded me so much of the ending of the uh, barbed wire death match in mm-hmm. AEW, in that it was so 
brilliant right up until the last minute and then it just all that tension and build instead of going boom just went and sadly that's that's the that's what you're left with at the end of the show you're left with david flair holding the shirt up nwo and that's it you know you're kind of don't know disappointing but you know as i said this has has what made wcw so great but it also contains within it the seeds of what would eventually bring it down and it's this kind of stuff just this out of control ego maniacal process with with hogan with the nwo that like in storyline it's great but when it starts influencing how the show is put together no matter how good the match is people are only going to remember the ending and the ending in this was another stun gun like come on you know there was a another stun gun and not even from an intimidating like you take the stun gun away from the take the stun gun away from nash take the stun gun away from hall there's still guys who are you know present a threat take the stun gun away from david flair like as my father says you'd bait him with your cap <laughs> that's it like you know you know you have hall the, the bad guy at this point you know the the u.s champion and hall multi-time world champion founder of the wolf pack you still have to mess with these guys and david flair is rick flair's son <laughs> that's it like it was it was honestly like the ending of the uh of the barbed wire death match it was more just a, a disappointment it was more thinking like what a seminal moment in wcw that would have been to have hogan flair main event um and us to actually see which one of them would have won you know like it was so it took you right to the precipice it was almost there and then it just let the air out of the balloon well look the next the next show coming up is wcw uncensored so we might get some answers and some payback on that as well. <laughs> so we're going to find out next week if that's the case. But obviously next week uh, we're going to be looking at Money in the Bank. Uh, depending on that's a good show or if we have rage to talk about, we'll probably do Uncensored as well. If not, it'll be the week after. Uh, Martin, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? No, next week uh, is a triple threat. We have Money in the Bank, Uncensored, and I will obviously be providing us with our weekly AW update. Absolutely, and that's it, man. You know, I, I'm glad you know, you're you're here for for the AEW stuff, so I can check in and don't have to put up a Cody Rhodes face. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, if you guys are just listening on the podcast, uh, thanks so much. Go over to Nerdtown Media, check out all the shows there. We're also on the True Penny channel. Uh, thank you to Two Penny, and of course, uh, Phoenix Two Point Five FM. So. For myself, for Dave, and for Martin, we'll see you next week here on Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 